0: The Nail in the Coffin! It's episode number 69 of The Nail. Tom Valentino, Travis Hurley... Coming at you on Wednesday night, Trav. How are you, sir?
1: I'm doing well, sir. How are you?
0: I'm uh, I'm feeling good. Feeling good. good. Got uh, yeah. got the Cavs halfway home here in their first round series against the Pacers. Um, been uh, a little a uh, little uh, bumpy along the way through the first two games, but uh, I suppose um, better to be in the Cavs position than uh, what some of the other teams uh, in the top half of the seating in the Eastern Conference look like at this point.
1: Yeah, close wins are better than close losses, so I uh, can't complain about being up 2 nothing.
0: Yeah. Also, we cannot complain about the fact that we uh, have a guest tonight. We're going to be running the three-man weave with our first three-time guest, Mark Mazaros, back again on the nail. Uh, thanks for joining us again, bud. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great, guys. Uh, thanks for having me back on the nail. It's great to be with you. So, Mes Monday night,
0: I was off the grid during the game, and I made the fatal error of not texting you to tell you don't text me during the game. Uh, I had a little family matter to attend to. I headed the game DVR'd for later. So I get home around nine o'clock and about 10 minutes after that, I get a text from you. And all it said is here we go. And it was like the, uh, the Seinfeld episode with uh, Jerry showing up at Watley's party. Like did what was the Trav, Help me out. What was the line there? Did, didn't expect to see you here. <laughs>
1: I, I believe that's it. And uh that was a hell of a party that he threw. It was. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I believe Jerry, Jerry wasn't able to get jiggy with it. But.
0: <laughs> no, he was not, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, so I'm set, sitting there. I was only into the first quarter of the game and I'm, I'm trying to interpret this text message. Like, is this the, all right, here we go. Like Cavs <laughs> are finally opening it up or, oh shit, here we go again. And unfortunately, you know, I,
2: mostly just fig- I mostly just figured out you were watching live because you usually do. And I figured I would have got a text, but I did. There was that back in my mind i'm like well i'm gonna leave this a little vague just <laughs> just in case so i'm glad i drove you a little nuts but it was of course uh late game collapse time so
0: yeah you know th- this has become a record- recurring thing uh in our texting back and forth during these games um you know it, it, i will say in the Cavs' defense at least on uh, monday night seemed to get it back together and and you know they, they pulled out the win again. Uh, are you feeling any better now uh, heading into game three?
2: I'm feeling a little better. You know, we needed the playoffs to start. You, you needed to have day, you know, at least a day between games to, to get our, you know, increasingly aging team some rest. And then you remember that, hey, we have more talent than almost everyone else. So we certainly have more talent than the Pacers. And I, I think that's going to win out. That said, I, I think the flaws that have been on display for this team, all year the second half of the year the last couple months however you want to look at it you can still see them I mean I, I certainly don't I have felt better about the Cavs at different uh, in different postseasons at different times.
0: Trev, uh, you know we, we tried uh, recording a shorter episode on Sunday night and for various reasons the podcasting gods are against us but uh, are, are you feeling how are you feeling about this team right now um, with, with two wins in the books here in the first round?
1: Well, if there's any episode we're going to record twice, I'm glad it was episode 69. Nice. Um, but um, all right, Gronk. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, I was hanging and banging with Sean Spicer all day. So, <laughs> um, no, I mean, I. It's been really confusing. I think watching them play so far, I don't really know what to expect of it. Um, back and forth games. I think there's. I don't know how many times I've. I've texted you probably the same thing. That sounds like you guys are texting each other. Um, okay, now you know, now they're ready to play, and then whatever lead they they got out to dissipated in a matter of a few minutes anyway. So um it's been weird, like sort of, every game's sort of been an emotional roller coaster of up and down. Um but I, I think I, I feel good, not great, um about the rest of the series. I guess obviously I feel confident about the rest of the series, but overall I don't know that I've really seen anything that surprises me that much, or that you know has changed my opinion one way or another. I think I'm. If the jury was out a week ago, it's it's still in deliberations. Well, I agree with that.
0: Well, Trev, what I had told you on Sunday I think still holds true through two games now, and that's that after watching these first couple of games, if you were somebody that entered the playoffs feeling optimistic about the Cavs and and on the positive side of things. They definitely showed you a lot of glimpses of what they can be, and I don't think there was anything that happened in the first two games that would derail your confidence. On the flip side, if you're somebody that's had a lot of doubts, and there are certain flaws that have worried you coming into the playoffs, I don't think those have been eliminated either. You can certainly have your opinion on the team validated that you had coming into the playoffs still having it now going to game three at Indiana on uh, Thursday night.
1: Sure. It's looked a lot like the last, um, last few weeks of the season, minus the losses. Um, a couple fourth quarter sort of meltdowns where, where decent size leads disappear. Um, I think they were up 18 or 19 at one point last game. And then, Indy just sort of went on a run and it ended up being a six point game. So, I mean, those were the issues that everyone was talking about defensive things and blowing leads, not, you know, keeping the foot on the pedal. And you've seen the same things. On the flip side of it, you were sort of saying, well, it's the regular season. I'm just waiting for them to, to get into the postseason, flip the switch, start playing as well as we know they can, start winning games again, let LeBron and Kyrie and, and them take over. And we've seen that too. So, yeah, I think you're right on it, it whatever whatever thoughts or feelings you had coming into the playoffs have most likely been confirmed. And you're not really any closer to knowing where this team stands.
0: Maz, what, uh, anything in particular you're expecting coming into Thursday um, from the Cavs and really from the Pacers and what we expect is going to, you know, if they want to have any shot at, Making the series even remotely interesting, they're going to have to get to work here in Game 3 and kind of throw the kitchen sink at the Cavs. What uh, What are you looking for?
2: Uh, first of all, do we know about J.R. Smith? I, I kept meaning to look for an update today, and uh, I didn't.
1: I haven't heard yet. I think it's going to be a game-time
2: thing.
0: I, I think he practiced. sounded like things went well, but uh, they have not made an official ruling one way or the other for uh, for Game 3.
2: Okay. I, I don't know what I'm basing this on exactly, but I think the Cavs will be at their uh, mentally toughest, this this first road game. I think they will be, I think they will be ready, uh, ready for what the Pacers throw at them, but it's hard not to see it kind of going some version of the same thing that we were talking about. You know, maybe the Cavs get up nine instead of 18, but, uh, I I won't feel good about that lead at any time. You know, they, they just seem to get, they seem to, as soon as the shooting gets uh, cold, when it will every team, I mean, they're shooting great in two games, right? I mean, their percentages are, are fantastic, but, uh, you know, they're just going to hit that spot where they get tight and they start playing, you know, their prevent offense. And we end up with these LeBron fadeaways at the top of the key and God bless him. He can hit some of them, but um, I I expect more of the same, but I I feel like they win an ugly game, you know, kind of a, another three or four point game that we all just breathe deeply at the end.
1: Do you think it's another one where everyone's, I mean, the Cavs shot a a really good percentage, but Indy shot a pretty decent percentage themselves. Um, Not as good as, as in game two as they did in game one, but um, I I feel like I expect that at some point the defense is going to muck it up a little bit, and you know we're going to have a game in the '80s. But uh, I mean, time will tell on that one because, admittedly, Indy's defense is horrible.
2: What where, where is our uh, where is our defensive rebounding at compared to where it should be? Because I feel like we're almost watching a mirror image of past Cavs games, where where we get all these second chance points. I feel like every time we hold, it feels like every time we hold them to a stop, then they get a rebound, and then you know that they're getting a bucket. But maybe that's uh, a skewed uh, view for me and the numbers aren't that bad. Do you guys happen to know?
1: I would honestly, it, just my gut is that it's not really that way. Cause Tristan's been getting a lot of offensive rebounds.
2: I thought he's and, looked um,
0: hugely he's rejuvenated. Looked fantastic.
2: Yeah. Um, well, I'm not talking about a, offensive rebounds. I'm talking about defensive rebounds. I feel like the Pacers have gotten a bunch of second chance uh, buckets that I'm like, Oh, well, this is how other teams feel when Tristan does his thing.
1: Um, I mean, truthfully, I'm, I'm pulling it up right here, but I don't really get that feeling, honestly. So I'm not, okay, I, guess, I guess I shouldn't say I don't, I don't truly know.
2: I mean, I um, haven't seen much written about it. So I feel like I was imagining it, but there are sessions where
1: they're getting their offensive, their offensive rebound percentage is about 28%. Everyone in the playoffs is pretty much better than them. Um, so they're not getting anything more than anyone else is getting. Um, okay. They're getting slightly higher percentage than Cleveland is getting, ironically. Um, but no, I mean, it's nothing noteworthy. It doesn't look like.
0: Well, we're right, on the top
2: The uh, go ahead. fan of me. Sorry about that. I'm just uh, go ahead.
0: No, I was going to say, while we're on the topic of rebounders, you know, we, we started getting into it here a little bit in terms of Tristan. Uh, Trev, I think you and I are on the same page of this. He looks really rejuvenated compared to what we saw him down the stretch in the regular season. I really felt like he was starting to wear down and, and just the pounding that he took during the year not having somebody else to kind of split time with in the post it it wore on him and um are you surprised at all that to this point indiana hasn't tried to hack him at all because he went to the line in game one and looked really rough with that splint on his hand protecting the uh the sprained thumb and i'm just kind of wondering if that's going to become a thing here in the next couple games or further down the line
1: Yeah, I was incredibly surprised they didn't try it at any point um, in the last two games. I mean, he's playing decent, significant minutes, 32 minutes a game. Um, and yeah, I was stunned that he hasn't. He hasn't made a free throw yet. He's been to the line, I don't want to say maybe two three times, um, and just looks f- worse than normal. And that's saying something. Right. Um, so yeah, you would think that would be and like you you said before they they've changed those a shack rules a little bit um to sort of slow that down a little um but I think it would have been pretty effective for Indiana especially in a couple of those instances where you know the Cavs were going on a pretty decent run I think that's that's and I'm I'm hoping that they continue to not do it but I think it would be a smart play on their part when when they can't seem to get a stop just go out there and send Tristan the line and then See if you can, you know, sort of stall the calves a little bit.
0: Mez, how have you felt uh, about what you've seen from Tristan so far?
2: I, I mean, you know, you and I have talked just out and about that uh, we wouldn't we wouldn't really mind seeing that streak come to an end, and and I think, you know, like some other calves, I think some rest has done him good. I mean, I, I think a lot of this team needed rest, so I, I guess I would attribute it to that. But yeah, I'm, 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 you're seeing at least big flashes of the old Tristan, and it's great to see.
1: Yeah, and we said that. I mean, I think probably most folks are in agreement on that. That injury, we sort of said to each other when it happened, as long as it's nothing serious and he'll be fine for the playoffs, this is fantastic because they finally have a reason to not start him.
2: Right, like you can you can understand why he was pretty proud of that streak and why. Yeah, I get alive. it. But, I understand. Uh, why look, you're you not gonna, you've proved yeah. you're an Iron Man. Sit down.
1: yeah, it's like <laughs> pulling a guy in a no hitter when he's throwing 120 pitches. Sometimes you just gotta. <laughs> right. All right,
0: gotta bite the bullet. mess, how have you felt about? the performance of Ty Lue and the coaching staff through these first two games.
2: Uh, Certainly better in these, in these two games than, uh, you know, in some of these regular season games, like uh, two late season games against the Hawks come to mind that I'd rather (laughs) not bring up, but uh, let
0: us never speak of those again.
2: (laughs) Sorry. I'm watching, I'm staring at the end of this Hawks uh, uh, wizards game right now. Um, Yeah, certainly better. I, you know, uh i feel like they finally made some defensive adjustments or oh, you know they're having some success um but nothing's driven me crazy i also haven't been that impressed well what, what do you guys think
0: trev i'm gonna let you answer first i, I do have a couple things i want to throw in though
2: i have been
1: i don't want to say i've been super impressed because i feel like some of those those leads that have been blown are kind of a result of coaching but in, in certain moments and sort of the situational things that I've seen from him, I've, I've been really, uh, really happy with what I've seen on Tyler. There was the one play last game, um, on an inbound play that he called timeout drop a play and it ended up with Kyrie wide open near the basket. Um, that was fantastic. And, and you saw him sort of celebrating. It was one of those things where it's like, all right, this guy needs to really do something X's And O's. you know, he he rose to the occasion in that in that situation. So I was happy to see it. And he obviously was real excited. They showed him sort of like celebrating, dancing on the sideline, which you don't really see too much from coaches. Um, so yeah, ultimately, I've been I've been happy with it. I don't know that there's I don't know that there hasn't been anything as close as these games have been. There haven't really been anything uh anything's like coaching wise right at the end of the game that that they've needed to draw something up like the first game that I guess I should take that back the way they they doubled on Paul George and sort of did something they hadn't really done all game and completely seemed like flustered Indiana quite a bit was obviously was effective it left them with a wide open shot uh, to a pretty good shooter but it worked out so I guess you get credit for that right
0: yeah absolutely uh, I was terrified of CJ miles and I'm still waiting for him to go off, but uh, he definitely had a clean look in game one to win it and, and missed. But uh, I do think that some of that was kind of being somewhat surprised that he had the ball in his hands in that situation. And Paul George didn't get the, uh, the, the chance to, to take it to the rim. Um,
1: What'd you guys think of him after the game? I know this is sort of a side note. Did that seem not just like kind of, team in under the bus but the guy was open and had a good look right he should have taken that shot right
0: oh on that first, uh, when when the caps rotated at back. the end of game one
1: in game one yeah
0: I and think said, LeBron might have been able to, to I, I know what you're saying I think LeBron might have been able to jump a passing lane there that that might have been fool's gold
1: yeah and he came out and said you know you got to get the ball back to me there's about three seconds left and he had an open look from about 15 feet I feel like well, that was the that, right decision
2: and then after being criticized for a day or two, he throws another teammate or two after the bus, uh, under the bus after yeah. game game two. So I, I you know, who's gonna be in his target after game three? Right, exactly.
0: Yeah, that that you know, that was something I kinda want to get to. Like, if you're a teammate of Paul George, I mean, clearly the only reason you're in the position to even be remotely competitive in this series is because of how he's playing. But at the same time, I mean, he's been very vocal in his frustrations. I, I'll I'll throw this up to either of you guys. Just how would you take that if you're one of his teammates?
1: Um, I, I it's hard to say without really being, I think, in that locker room. As a a guy on the as me, a guy just sort of observing from a distance. I don't think it's a great look, but I don't really know that team. I think there's certain teams and certain guys where that can work. Um, with what he went through with his injury, obviously last year or two years ago whenever it was and you know all that he all the work he had to put in to get back to where he is i'm sure those guys have seen that and so he he not just because he's so good but because he also works really hard he's probably earned some of that um but at the same time you don't you're probably not crazy about you know him calling you out for probably cj miles more than lance stevenson cj miles i feel like he made you know had a good look at a shot to win a game and took it. And that, I think he made the right play. Lance Stevenson was kind of a head case. He was close to going off the rails last game. So I kind of get what he was saying there. Um, but truthfully, I don't know that, that we're really qualified to even say how they, they would take it.
0: All right. Well, I want to get back to Lance because he got really frustrated in game two because Kevin Love basically took him to the woodshed down in the post. And I think he, at one point he scored 10 straight points and just had Lance <laughs> beside himself with frustration, and um, you know, I really it was thought hilarious. It was. was, it was, fun. and I thought it was really great to see Kevin Love doing that. Um, we don't see enough of him working down on the block, and I felt like I don't know if that was something that the players just kind of picked up in the game, or if it was something uh, of a conscious decision by the coaching staff, because the Pacers tried to hide Lance on Kevin Love a couple minutes in game one and the Cavs never really went down low into the post to, to love in that game. And it almost kind of seemed like the Pacers got caught with their hand in the cooking jar in game two, because the Cavs just absolutely punished them for that. And, you know, I, I thought K love was just excellent. And I think he put up what about 25, 27 points or something like that. Had only about seven field goal attempts and just kept getting to the line and uh, really kind of swung the game at, at that point and really helped the Cavs take control. And I thought that was a really critical decision.
1: Yeah. He had 27 points on seven field goal attempts,
2: which there is you go. insane. Insane. <laughs> Made it, all 12 it, free throws, 11 it, boards. It's great. Game. Anytime he doesn't disappear in the second half of a game. I mean, that was uh, terrific to see. I feel like he, he plays like that. You got a really good shot to win.
0: Yeah. Just in general. And I think that was kind of why I never got worried at all in game two. Uh, even when the Pacers started to close the gap again in the fourth quarter, because it's just it's one of those things where if the Cavs' big three are all going for 25-plus, and I think on Monday night they combined for, like, 89 points just by themselves, the Cavs aren't losing those games. Like, it's just, especially to a, a team like Indiana, um, who basically to this point has shown that they have one reliable scorer. So, um you know, I, I think that's definitely been something good, and you know, just I, I like in general what I've seen out of the Cavs at the offensive end. You know, I, I said on here a few times in the past just how every time the Cavs play the Bucks, I feel like their offense gets completely thrown out of whack for a week afterwards, just because of the way the Bucks um, can defend the interior and their length can disrupt all the passing lines. I feel like the Pacers. Or the exact opposite of that for the Cavs. The Cavs, it feels like about 90% of the time, can get whatever looks they want at the offensive end, whether it's, you know, Kevin Love taking advantage of a matchup in the post, or um, LeBron or Kyrie switching in a pick and roll, getting the defender that they want on them, because the Pacers are switching all of their defensive assignments on pick and rolls, and then abusing guys like that, and, um, you know, we haven't even seen guys like Kyle Korver or um, Jr. really go off yet either.
2: You, you bring up yeah. Korver. This is something I want to ask you. I'm sorry. Uh, do do you feel like the the um, the Pacers are just paying a lot of attention to him, which is still good because it it frees up other things? I can't decide if uh, if that's what's going on. Have you have you noticed anything schematically?
0: Yes, he's I, not
2: getting. He's not getting his usual looks. He's. I mean, he's
1: probably. I don't know if it's by design. But really effectively, he's, he's really just a decoy because they have a guy right. dedicated to him at all times. Like it opens things up a lot in the middle. Um, you never—he's not—he's not like they're not missing him. They're not losing him when he's open. He's just never open because there's always a guy in front of him, and that's great. Honestly, if they have to dedicate a guy to him the whole time, which they've been doing, then I mean,
2: yeah, that's it feels like hey, we're, as we're as not cool. going to let Kyle Korver beat us. It's like, well, great, we have LeBron James. <laughs> Uh, it, it,
0: <laughs> it, that's that's exactly it, it. what it looks like. And I personally, um, I, I think at some point, Indiana is going to have to mix it up and, and roll the dice. And I think when that happens, then you're going to see the three-point barrage. So right. uh, it, it's it's only a matter of time. And I think if you're Corvary, you just got to stay patient because you got to know that at some point, those looks are going to start coming. Um, and he
1: seems to be, same thing with JR. Um, I think the other night they only took... Maybe three or four shots between the two of them, which is kind of crazy considering they played, I mean, significant minutes. Um, I think Jr. you probably have to worry a little more about him staying patient. Um, I think think Corver seems like a pretty steady head when he's out there. He He did he did chuck a really uncharacteristically bad shot last game which uh, well, I feel
2: like wasn't that on like an outlet from LeBron and it yes. was like just begging him to just begging him to shoot it. Like, all right, well, this was, a he was idea yeah, he was
1: standing. Like he, I mean, he was way away from the basket. There was no one else. I mean, he was the closest one to the basket. I feel like, um, cause no one else really came back. They just passed it out to him. And he chucked it, but it was like, well, I think even he, you know, is, is just seeing if something will go in. I think if you asked him, he would have said, yeah, I probably should just waited for some other guys to get down and, and, taken a little better shot but
0: I really feel uh, like Corver's muscle memory is so fine-tuned that if he's right if on he's the perimeter space, he's it. if well no if he if he is right on the perimeter he is going to knock it down at, at an ungodly rate and I think you know this is what the third or fourth time in his career he's led the league in three-point percentage but if he tries to extend his range at all like it, even a step or two behind the line It's not nearly as good, Um, right? Disproportionately so, and uh, you know, I, I I think in that situation it was one of those deals where he hasn't getting a lot of looks. He wanted to get a shot up, you know, get a feel for it a little bit, and he probably forced one that he didn't need to. Mes, let me ask you this: Are you surprised at all that? Um, for are you surprised by what? Shumpert's role has been so far through these first two games because he didn't play at all in game one and had JR not had the hamstring in game two I don't think we see Shump in that game either
2: not really because you know teams famously shorten their rotation even in the first round of the playoffs and the Cavs have a bunch of wings if everyone's healthy which obviously they weren't for most of the year so we finally got everyone ready to go I feel like Shumpert was kind of logically the odd man out the way he kind of played uh, down the stretch, but it was a nice reminder of the depth we do have when healthy that uh, Jr. goes out and Shumpert is capable of coming in and making an impression or having an effect on the game, which he did. So not surprised, but I thought his contribution was great to see.
0: I was surprised by that just because from, I, I agree with everything you said. It totally was logical for him to be the odd man out based on the way he was playing down the stretch of the regular season, but the flip side of that was he played a lot down the stretch in the regular season. And it felt like he was getting a lot of minutes over other guys. And I don't know if that was just to protect some of those older guys in the Cavs rotation that they wanted to, you know, they, they placed a higher priority on keeping them fresh for the playoffs. But
2: it. Just... Yeah. Pl- plus the flip side is like with Paul George, I mean, you might want to throw everything you can at him and see how Schumper could do, but so it's a little surprising, but.
0: Yeah, I, I just, I was really surprised because it, it felt like Shumpert was one of those guys that, um, you know how Tito Francona with the Indians is irrationally loyal to Michael Martinez, the the, the utility guy that everybody can't stand, made the last out of the okay. World Series. It feels like right. to a lesser degree, Shumpert's kind of been that guy, like no matter how many times he puts his head down and and dribbles into a terrible position or takes an ill-advised shot or falls asleep on defense and gets beat, um he's going to keep getting chances. So I was really kind of surprised to see in that deep rotation of wings that he was the guy that ended up getting left out. But, you know, like you said, to his credit, when his number got called in the second half on Monday, he uh, he stepped up and he looked good. Um, I don't know if the benching in game one kind of jolted him in, back a little bit, but uh, he was hustling. He was diving on the floor for loose balls. He got a tie-up on one possession. And uh, I, I think um, – you know, it's encouraging to see. I, my personal guess here is that if Jr. is good to go tomorrow night, that I think Shepard's going to be the odd man out again. But I think if you're the Cavs coaching staff, you got to feel good about the fact that uh, he can get um, he can be effective being brought in in spot duty.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, um, Trev. Let me ask you this: uh, You know, just kind of looking beyond the uh, the Cavs. Taking a look at the first round of the playoffs here in general, I kind of feel like, and and feel free to disagree, um, the biggest story so far in the first round, it's been what's going on with the Celtics and the Bulls. One, do you agree with that? And two, what do you make of what's happening in that series?
1: Is it the biggest story? Yeah, probably, because a one seed's never been down to nothing. Um, And I don't believe a, a one seed has ever lost in the East um outside of um drawing a blank but there was someone in the the short strike sort uh strike shortened let me try that one again um season back in like 98 99 99 uh, yeah
0: the Knicks, i think they knocked out the heat
1: okay so yeah in a short season so that doesn't necessarily seedings might have been a little off that year but is it the biggest story yes i don't know that i should be that we should be terribly surprised though i think everyone if anyone was honest with themselves, they would have told you, "Yeah, Boston's probably uh, playing a little bit above their heads during the regular season, um, and Chicago concurrently probably a little bit underperformed a little bit." I know Dwayne Wade was out for quite a bit, and and say what you want about him, he's obviously lost uh, lost a little bit of the pep in his step. We saw that saw him get blocked by the front of the rim the other night. Um, <laughs> but overall they're probably better than the eighth seed and Boston probably shouldn't really be a one seed. Um, but it's, it's not terribly surprising. I'm not going to th- go into a whole bunch about the Isaiah Thomas sister thing, cause that's just horrible. And I don't really want to pretend to know what sort of impact that actually has, but, um, that could also be playing a small part in it although he's played pretty well from what I've seen
0: that's what I was gonna say is I you know obviously it's it's very sad and you know it's a story it's it's way bigger than basketball um but I'm gonna give him all the credit in the world they're down 0-2 it's not his fault he played out of his mind in game one and and he was not quite to that level in game two but he was fine um that team's got some issues but Um, he, he is, I I don't know how he's doing it personally. Um, but, but he's playing hard and he's, and he's playing well. And, um, Mez, what do you think? Uh, is Boston in some trouble here?
2: I mean, you gotta think so going on the road down Oh two. Uh, and like, look, I've only seen a couple minutes of, of that series, but, uh, You know, aside from those Hawks games that we're never going to mention again, it's another case of uh, making me feel a little less great about the last Cavs game that we all just felt terrific about. They're dismantling the Celtics on on the road. But uh, I'm happy to see it. You know, we might have home court in the East before too long, and uh, I didn't think that was going to be the case.
0: Yeah, it's kind of funny. I think um, I I almost wondered, did the Cavs not care about getting the one seed because they felt like they could win at Boston or because they – assumed they would never actually see Boston in the third round Um,
2: (laughs) I you guys I I listened to a little bit of your playoff preview and you guys mentioned the way the bracket fell for the Cavs uh, with the two seed and I wholeheartedly agree so I don't know if they could have factored that in but I I like the way it all lays out
0: yeah you know what's kind of interesting in that Boston Chicago series and some of these other series in the east is I feel like the lower-seeded team actually has the best player in the series. Um, as good as Isaiah Thomas is for Boston, Jimmy Butler is the best player in that series. And if you look at Toronto, they've had their hands full with the Bucks so far through two games. And Giannis, um, the Greek freak for Milwaukee, um, with all, uh, you know, I'm sure if we have any listeners in Canada... Uh, they're going to whip their Tim Hortons coffee at me for saying this, but um, I-, I would take Giannis over Kyle Lowry any day, especially given Kyle Lowry's uh, playoff track record. And, um, you know, really, if if Indiana was playing anybody other than the Cavs, I think we could be having the same conversation about Paul George. Uh, the You know, unfortunately for them, they ran into a team with LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. So, um I think it kind of throws the, uh, the axis off in, in these early round series. Um, so you I don't know.
2: Go ahead. You mentioned a little bit ago, the, uh, the Cavs don't look right after playing the bucks, you know, for like a week. Yeah. I'm in, I, for one, am not dying to see the bucks upset the Raptors. Uh, I mean, you know, I think the Cavs win a series against the bucks, but I, I think it'll be ugly. That, that, that is a young, long team. That scares me. I agree with that.
1: <laughs> I agree a hundred percent. Um I have, zero concern about playing toronto um just based on experience and what we've seen from them in the past i don't right. know that they are any i don't know that they're any better than the team we played last year um the bucks though Giannis is is insane like he, he's just really fun to insane. watch see just a ridiculous player i saw like a guy that, that is just built like him, and can do the things he does. There's a really, I don't know if there's anybody else in the league really like him. Durant might be the closest thing. Um Durant's a little more of a pure shooter, maybe not quite as athletic, but um the things he does is just ridiculous. And I heard the other night, um, Chauncey Billups said, I don't remember who asked him, but it was one of those, uh, one of those shows on where they're just talking about the games or whatever. And they asked him, you know, who's the second best player in the East? He said, Kyrie Irving. Personally, I have <laughs> Sorry about that. Furnace, sit down. Get over here. I thought someone was laughing in the background. That's none, what I thought. <laughs> Asshole.
2: Uh, I'm like, That's a little uh, harsh. but I <laughs> um, Not I as awkward
0: honest, as, like, as the noises that we heard in the background of the tennis match that appeared on Deadspin you know. today.
1: Yeah, none of that going at my house <laughs> at the moment. Um, apologies <laughs> about that. Sit down. Um, so... Anyways, I think Giannis might be the best player, the second best player in the East right now. Um, just there's really no one else like him. Like I said, and obviously LeBron's one. But if if you were drafting players from the East right now, who would you take too? Over him, maybe Paul George.
2: Paul George had a great series. Yeah, I don't know. In the short term, if you're just for this playoffs, I might take George. But if you're, if you're going for the future. Already, you'd love to get your hands he's on Giannis. Not already
1: though. In the very near future, Giannis is going to be an absolute superstar
0: yep all right oh, let's i got a few more things uh Mez here that i want to get to with you um back to the uh the cabs and the pacers um actually you know what no first before that I, there was one other thing like i want i know I'm, like making, I'm i'm working on the fly here so mezz i want to ask you one more thing about the celtics um you know brad stevens it feels like has been anointed uh, by the NBA writing community from the day he took the Celtics job, and I think a lot of that comes from being the guy that took Butler to the national championship two straight years. Moving to the team with the you know biggest history in the NBA, one of the you know most storied franchises in sports, and um, kind of reviving their franchise. Um, you know, I think ESPN and their coaching power rankings that came out in, like, the last week or two of the regular season had him as, like, the second or third best coach in the league, even though he hasn't won a playoff series yet. What's going on in that Chicago-Boston series right now? If if Boston falls flat on its face here and doesn't get out, does the tide start to turn on Brad Stevens a little bit?
2: You know, maybe, but, I you know, and I, I don't watch them enough to, to really know, but you hear people talk about that team. They just seem like an incomplete roster, and you do wonder if he's – At least in the regular season, kind of working miracles to get them where they are. I mean, they're a terrible rebounding team, right? And and that that's going to hurt you in the playoffs. And you know, Danny Ainge decided not to pull the trigger on a on a midseason trade. And I wonder if it was in the spirit of, look, we just need more time. And I I wouldn't cut, I wouldn't count Stevens out yet. You know, give them a couple more years of of uh, reshaping that roster or shaping that roster. And I, I think there'll be something to worry about, but. He also could be overrated. I mean, the, the, the playoff results are not pretty
0: worst record of any coach in NBA history with at least 10 playoff games. Now,
2: I, I like you, I listen to Bill Simmons. So maybe I'm just uh, influenced by his, his man love for Brad Stevens. I don't know.
1: That's (laughs) such a weird number though. I always find it weird when it's like the worst, whatever with a minimum X, whatever, like you just picked the number that would get him in there. Um, the fact that he led this team to the number one seed, maybe, yeah, he hasn't been great in the playoffs so far, but this team has no business being the number one seed. So, so I, I feel like if, if yeah, maybe they're not gonna, not gonna win this series, and they're underperforming, obviously, and they could be, you know, sort of an embarrassment as that first one seed to, to lose in the first round, and they're kind of in danger of getting swept at this point, but. I think it's probably like Mez just said. It's a little early to 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 pull the trigger on any like any sort of move with them. I doubt they do that this soon. Um, I mean, they have
2: the they have what the Brooklyn pick, which is going to be really high in the upcoming draft, and then I gather they must have cap space because there's always those Gordon Haywood rumors. So I'm worried about what they could become.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've got. I don't. You're never going to win a title with Isaiah Thomas as your best player, right? Um, I, I don't. I assume you guys both agree with that, but, Definitely. um, but who knows? I mean, what do you, what do you really expect them to do? If they lose us, say that they were the two seed instead, right. And they lost to Indiana. Would people still care? No, it's just because they're the one seed. Um, I mean, it still, wouldn't would look still, great. it still wouldn't look great, but we wouldn't be making a big deal out of it. We wouldn't be putting graphics up on sports center.
0: By the way, the title of that graphic on sports center, did you see it?
1: Bad Stevens? Bad Stevens. It's so <laughs> simple and right there in front of you that it's good. I
0: completely overlooked it on first glance and somebody else pointed it out and I'm like, oh damn, that's harsh.
1: That's
2: like a Trump nickname, man. That'll stick. <laughs> <laughs> you almost Sad. Like, yeah,
1: someone someone just accidentally left out the R and they're like, actually, we're going to run with that.
0: <laughs> Steer into the curve, boys. <laughs> oh. All right. So Cavs, I, you know, I think we kind of Talked about what we're expecting heading into Thursday night. Um, personally, I think this is going to be a really interesting test because, you know, in the micro, we see them kind of coughing up leads because they take their foot off the gas in these games once they get ahead. And it kind of is indicative of just what they do in the bigger picture. Like they, they kind of got out to what, about a four or five game lead in the Eastern Conference before they went in the tank over the last six weeks of the season and and fell out of the number one seed. And, you know, it always seems like they they never really step on somebody's neck when they have the chance to do it. So I guess I'm really curious to see what the Cavs look like coming out on on Thursday night, because, you know, do we get the team that went into Boston and in late in the regular season and, and hammered the Celtics, or do we get the team that fell apart against the Hawks? Um Because, you know, I I think really Indiana, you know, like I said earlier, it's going to be a kitchen sink game for them. And, you know, they've not really had anybody besides Paul George really going off to this point. And you always kind of expect role players to to start um, playing better once they get in front of their home crowd. So I don't know who it's going to be on that roster, um, but my guess is somebody's going to, besides Paul George, is going to get hot. And I just kind of want to see what the Cavs do when they get faced with that are they going to be content to just try to get a split there and close it out in five or are they going to really go for the throat and try to wrap this thing up by sunday
1: i fully expect them to try and win them both in indiana i don't think they're going to take it easy at all um i think especially with tristan what we've seen with him how how much the rest has benefited him i think that's probably going to resonate quite a bit um obviously lebron has has always he hasn't played a whole lot of first round games in his career um, for as many series as he's been. in, I don't know. I I heard some ridiculous number the other day and I can't remember what it is, but um, I think they really value rest and they'd rather go maybe expend a little bit of extra energy in one game. If it means they're going to get a couple extra days off.
0: Yeah. The, uh, just for the record, I think that LeBron first-round stat, I think he's won 19 first-round games in a row. And if he wins the next two, it would set a record for um, NBA postseason.
1: Yeah, that's bonkers. Even that's even though he's been on very good teams, obviously, every year, um, that's what – that'll make this
2: five years of sweeps. Yes. That's wild. You sort of forget because you get into the stressful conference championships and then the, the finals, and the first round seems like a distant memory, you know.
0: Yeah, but I mean it's easy to kick away a game like that here or there and and yeah, sure. great teams have done it. I mean I mean even that uh I, I think the Warriors last year when they won seventy three games, I think they lost a the first round game. So um to be able to handle your business like that year in and year out's is impressive. there anything uh one way or the other that you wanna uh throw in on what we're gonna see tomorrow night?
2: No, I, I guess I would just back up what Travis uh, is saying. I, I think they do value rest, and I think, you know, I'm I'm thrilled that they're up 2-0, and these other series are, are, you know, look to be going longer. So uh, things are looking as good as they can for how the Cavs are playing right now.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, because I think just for everybody that's been kind of grumbling about the Cavs not looking impressive enough in the first two games, And I've been one of those
2: people. Well,
0: I I just, you know, I I don't know. I mean, like if you see what's going on in these other series, it it just, I I think it kind of just goes to show you that what, you know, real struggles are looking like. And I'm not saying the Cavs don't have any room for improvement. I mean, obviously they can tighten it up on the defensive end, especially, but, um, you know, whether it's looking good or it's looking ugly, I mean, there's something to be said for, you know, getting the job done and, you know, winning and advancing.
2: No, it wasn't until I turned on uh, pretty late in the Houston uh, Oklahoma City game, game one, where you know Houston was killing them, and I'm like, "See, that's what it's supposed to look like," you know, but it's not what it's not what these playoffs have looked like. I mean, U two's uh, Utah's bringing it to the to the Clippers and and everything else, and you know the 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 Warriors didn't exactly have a cakewalk with the uh, Blazers on uh, Easter Sunday, so you're absolutely yes. right
1: even the even most of the ones where the score ends up in the 10 to 15 point you know looks like a, a a solid convincing win even those they're still pretty close games and the team just pulls out at the end like uh Portland Golden State for example um was i think a three point game after the third quarter so it's like no one's really you're right that that Houston game is kind of an aberration especially for how these playoffs have gone so far
0: yeah well we'll see if the Cavs can uh take care of business here and, and wrap this thing up in Indiana. Uh, game three, Thursday night, game four, Sunday afternoon. Both of those games um, at, uh, what do they call that now? The Banker's Life Fieldhouse. That uh, name just rolls off your tongue.
2: Yeah. I'm sure I don't know. <laughs>
0: you know who else doesn't know? Austin Carr.
2: Everyone. <laughs> Deep in the looks at his scorecard.
0: <laughs> Mez, uh, anything you want to plug for us uh, before before we let you go?
2: Uh, no, not really. You know, catch me in the News Herald and uh, in the Morning Journal, news-herald dot com, for uh, movie reviews and entertainment features and Cleveland theater and all that good stuff.
0: Are you and Podolski lighting up uh, another pod anytime soon?
2: Oh yeah, we should be. We should be recording tomorrow, Thursday. I think we're going to bring in Jeff Shadell as we did two weeks ago because. You know, you can't go more than two weeks without talking about the Browns draft. And uh, we'll obviously talk some Cavs and probably Little Indians, too. So probably another sports uh, heavy podcast for Mark and Mark tomorrow again on those websites.
0: All right. I'm going to give you a chance to uh, tighten up your talking points here, because we actually have managed to go uh, quite a bit without talking about the Browns. What do you want them to do with with their first round picks here coming up next week?
2: I think, like most sensible people, I want Miles Garrett at one, and then you could sell me on a range of things. If you can trade up, and if you love Trubisky, take him without paying too high a price. But uh, honestly, I'm not—you know—I'm not sold on any of these quarterbacks. I wouldn't mind another year where the Browns don't have the greatest record, and then solve it next year. But I think I'm in the minority there. I just—I just want the Browns to continue to uh, bring in talented players at every position.
1: I think you're probably part of the majority on this. Um, this podcast, that's exactly my
2: feelings. I mean, if they drafted Trubisky and he was good, it would be fantastic. I just, it's hard to be sold that that's the way it'll play out. Right.
1: Yeah, I was on, I'm weird. Cause I was never sold on him as a college player. Um, like I thought he was a decent player and obviously he was very productive in high school, but right. I never really saw him. Like normally a guy like that would be like, okay, Ohio guys and Ohio state fan. I'd be like, okay, why aren't they offering him? But I never really thought that with him. I just thought, like you know, he didn't really have everything you need. Um, and I'm not totally sure that he has that now. I I don't really, truthfully, I don't see why he's had this meteoric rise to the top of draft boards all of a sudden. Um, Ohio State I offered him, didn't to...
0: they? No. Really? I I thought yeah. they did, and I thought Bama did.
1: Bama might have. I honestly, I don't know. I remember watching him and and wondering. I think he had. So he had one of those weird, like, and this is getting a little nerdy in terms of recruiting, but he had what was, what they call a non-committable offer, which means they offer him, but you can't really accept it, which is weird and silly and stupid, but, um, guys, don't don't try
0: anything like that with your ladies out there. It will not go well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's not, (laughs) it, it really only works in the CD world of college football recruiting, which, um. Honestly, in terms of seedy things, that's one of the, the lesser ones, which tells you how shitty that area of sports is. But um, I'm just not crazy about him. I don't really think he has – I just don't really think he'll ever be much. And I hate to say it. I would love for him to be good, but I just don't see it.
0: Well, um, I think it was the Mel Kuyper latest mock draft had the Browns getting both Mitch Trubisky and Kareem Hunt, the uh, South High graduate, i think in the third or fourth round so um that would
2: you, be fun i'd love to see him in cleveland you could never have yeah.
0: enough fisher award winners in your locker room that's uh, that's for sure so <laughs> all right boys uh i think that's a good place for us to stop uh Nez, this was fun uh thank you for joining us once again and uh hey thank
2: it, you it's always a pleasure thanks for having me on
0: all right uh as for our show if you have not done so already Go subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play Music or whatever podcast listening app you use. We've got some really cool stuff that's going to be coming soon that I promise you are not going to want to miss. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. So go subscribe and uh, make sure you're getting our new episodes as soon as they go up. iPhone users, if you are listening to us today and you have a friend that you think might like our show... Hit the share button down in the lower left corner of your screen. Uh, It's super easy, and it's going to really help us uh, to spread the word about the show and help us continue to build this thing. And if you want to catch up on old episodes of our show, you can stream um, all of them on our website, thenailpodcast.com. And if you haven't done so already, go like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thenailpodcast. We uh, post articles, videos, uh, other good stuff that we come across every week. Uh, all right, uh, I think that's going to be enough with the plugs for now. Trab, anything else from you before we get out of here?
1: Um, no, that about does it.
0: Good enough. Yeah. All right, <laughs> well, that's going to do it for us for this week. Uh, we have a special episode that's going to be coming. I'm not sure if we're going to post it this weekend, possibly later. Got some uh, other factors... Uh, that are going to come into play. Uh, but for sure, we are going to be back on next week, uh, hopefully talking about the Cavs making their preparations for round two. Our, uh, thanks again to Mark Mazzaras for joining us tonight. For Travis Julie, I'm Tom Valentino. This has been The Nail in the Coffin, and we will talk to you again soon.
2: Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis.